Hi everyone, we're back. <laughs> Episode 68 after a, I don't even want to count how many month hiatus we've been. This is Justin. This is Sean. It's the Dot Matrix a podcast with a special guest who's cleaning glasses as we speak. <laughs> Sorry. No, that's good. Hello everyone. I'm Michelle. And so we've had Michelle on the program before the program before. Sorry, so <laughs> the program. It's yeah. like we're on NPR or something. <laughs> Shwitty balls. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> sorry. Uh, but now Michelle is here in person. And see, you are the second in-person guest we've had. We've had our friend Karen here. Oh, right. Oh, yeah. And you've guested on our program, our podcast before, via... Skype or FaceTime, I forget where we were, but your phone was, the phone was was sitting here in this desk, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And now you're here in person. That's right. Yay! Yes. Welcome. Thank you. This is great. Thank you. Because we yeah. always have so much to talk about with we you. We do. <laughs> and uh, you, I love hearing your takes on many things. Oh, so, thank you. Yeah. Likewise. Yeah. Yeah, this is, this um, is going to be good. And unfortunately, I'm from the U.S. and there's a lot of shit going down right now, so it makes for lots of conversations. Well, I mean, we, that is why we are drinking uh, nice Pinot Noirs as we podcast, which we don't normally do when we podcast, I don't think. That was the clinging of the glasses you saw, we heard a little bit on the... But I think we should actually, the three of us, cheers. Oh, yeah, good idea. Yes. To start the podcast. I, as Michelle knows, I can't do anything without cheersing first. <laughs> Nice. I'll, well, uh, I'll turn that down a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, so, yeah. I've been listening to uh, a variety of podcasts over the last little while. I float between music or podcasts, depending on what I'm feeling. And, and uh, Clinging the Glasses reminds me of... Uh, uh, I've been listening to, and I just finished the whole series of My Dad Wrote a Porno, which is like, oh. when I don't want to listen to like news or current affairs podcasts and it's just like three british people one of the people who who hosts it uh his father has wrote written like four books of pornography and he reads it out loud (laughs) to his friends and then they talk through it and and it is hilarious and they often drink they often drink Mm -hmm. and they will hear glasses so i thought of that as we were clinging so not terribly you know deep but super funny have you heard of that podcast? No, I hadn't. Yeah, I, I only heard about it. How did you find out about it? Um, someone I follow like just such a diversity of people. I've heard of them once. I find them on Instagram and I follow them. So that's the Instagram is oh, where I follow yeah. everyone. And yeah. and I think the fourth series, which is the fourth book, uh, came out I think just less than a year ago. Actually, probably about a year ago. And um, and. And then I'm like, what is this? And he said, this is the funniest thing. So I just listened to the very first one. And I'm like, this is kind of funny. You know, British humor, a little dry. And, right. And it's gotten funnier and funnier over the years. And, um, and there's like four series. They're going to do a fifth one sometime, I guess, maybe in the fall. Is there a fifth um, book? Yeah. he's. This is the first book the father has written since the podcast has become fairly famous. And, um, and so they'll do most podcasts, which is unlike us. 
uh, do like one episode a week and then like a podcast extra or some extra during midweek, right? So right, right. Uh, most of the podcasts that I listen to have kind of that. Mm. It's either that or it's a daily thing, right? Mm-hmm. And so my dad wrote a porno, comes out with an episode where they read one chapter together on a Monday. And then somewhere, sometime midweek, they have a footnotes episode. Uh, and it's usually an interview uh, with, they had like some sort of sex ed specialist. They had, you know, um, actors and uh, they, they, the last one ever in the last series was uh, Emma Thompson. Okay. And she was hilarious. Oh man, I bet. Yeah. yeah. So it's a funny show. If It's a funny, funny show. <laughs> Speaking of podcasts, yes. Elaine, you know, everyone knows who Elaine is. Um, she told me about one today that I got to check out. And, well, I mean, it's it's a very famous person, but Conan O'Brien's podcast. Oh, I heard he's got heard one. his? No. Well, Elaine... Oh, that maybe... Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, she can hear it. Oh, yeah, it's crazy. Oh, yeah, she can hear... Hi! Uh, hi! Uh, Elaine, uh, we were just talking about you. <clears throat> <laughs> I love it. She was saying that, uh, he had Dana Carvey on the show mm. and Dana Carvey, like kind of here and there throughout the conversation was like him and, um, Conan were, uh, talking about what it'd be like if Paul McCartney was talking to John Lennon in heaven about things that are going on. Here. Mm-hmm. Interesting. And huh? then he was doing the accents and stuff. Oh, and wow. Elaine said it was super funny. Wow. Yeah. Kind of interesting concept, right? Yeah. Uh, so that's something I'm very excited to check out. Yeah. Oh, definitely. I like Dana Carvey too. Every time <laughs> every time I chop broccoli, yes. I do this chop of broccoli. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, Dana Carvey's, uh, he's funny. He's really good, yeah. Yeah. I like him. His, uh, George H.W. Bush is, uh... Oh, my... Was was hilarious. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, hands down, um, (laughs) I think the best impersonator, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Other people did. I can't remember who... I feel like other people did Bush, but, but he is, like, the best Bush. Yeah. Yeah. I think he really took at the time i guess you know mid late 80s like he took presidential impressions to the next level mm. it seemed you know and after that you know people did he do Perot too i can't remember i think he did yeah oh yes yeah. he did right? he did yes. yeah you know and then phil hartman took the the mantle and did yeah clinton, clinton. Right? yeah yeah uh daryl hammond yeah did Cl- clinton mm-hmm he was really good, I thought. Yeah. Uh, what do you think of Alec Baldwin's impersonation of Trump? <laughs> Thoughts? Oh, I think it's spot on. Yeah, I, actually I think it's really yeah, it is. I agree. Yeah. yeah, and I like when Colbert reads Trump's tweets during his monologue. I think yeah. it's just hilarious. And even... Da, 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 da. Yeah. <laughs> da, 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 da. <laughs> and then he'll, he'll kind of, he'll finish reading the tweet, and then he'll just go further with it as if he was still talking. Uh, beyond Twitter, and it's just so funny. Seth Meyers, he just, he just does a funny one too. Like they all do, they all do it, right? So yeah, but uh, speaking of podcasts, um, I've been listening to. I may have mentioned this to you guys before, but it's just called discography. Have I, have I brought that up with you guys? No, no. I thought you were gonna bring bring up poetry off the shelf, which I wanted. 
find out more about. Yes, it. I yes. definitely want to start listening to that. So I feel like this is topic one is podcast recommendations. So. Yes. Okay, perfect. talk about discography. So discography, uh, I came across because the website, you know, music blog, uh, thing, um, consequence of sound, which you may have seen here and there. Um, they, they started a series of podcasts. There's one <coughs> devoted to fans of Stephen King, you know, just, just mm. a lot of, you know, different yeah. arts. Mm-hmm. And this one, it's narrated by a guy called Mark with a C. And the reason why it's called like his Instagram is called that because when he was creating his account, I think he's I think he said this he was he was typing and then he accidentally created it without finished typing. Oh. <laughs> anyway, he's he's a musician. He's been around for like twenty years playing music, and I hadn't heard of him before. But he does a great. He's I think he's in his probably I think he's older than us. Like he's he's worked at record stores. And he's been a musician. Puts out his own music. But he started. He thought. Let's take an artist, go through all their official releases of, you know, of original music, mm-hmm. um, and just dissect them. Mm. And he'll play, ex- oh yeah, wow. it's in depth. <laughs> and I was, the reason why I was excited about it was he started with Frank Zappa. So Frank Zappa put out 60 albums in his lifetime. Wow. And there's been more since. Wow. So we're talking of a period of, 30 years. How many albums? Wow, okay. That's, you know? Yeah. He was very prolific. Mm. All different styles of music. And, but he would listen to them objectively. Hmm. Like he, like why he thought they were good, even, no matter what critically mm-hmm. or what the fans thought, he mm-hmm. would be like, okay, this is showing his true talent or his genius or whatever. Mm-hmm. And he'd talk about how, and he'd play little excerpts of songs. So much to go through. It was six episodes over an hour each. You know, the first episode was something like 1966 to 69, and, and each one is labeled by years, so you get the eras. Okay. Anyway, so I listened to that one, loved it. Uh, Janet Jackson was next. Wow. So I listened to okay. about half of that, and I, I... But then I heard he was doing The Who, so he just... He's putting out The Who right now. Every week he puts a new one. Wow. And I'm listening to that, because I'm a big Who fan, of course. Um... And, and being a music fan and a musician myself, I like hearing his takes on it, why mm. he thinks something is, like, great or not so good mm-hmm. or, like, or just abysmal. Like, he doesn't, you know, hide away from saying mm-hmm. what he thinks. Right. Anyway, discography. Discography. You know, I'm not, like, that's fascinating because, and so much the way you're describing it, like, it's so intriguing and... I. Like, I don't have really a music background. Like, you know, the story of, I think I told you, I took a bit of piano, had a bad recital when I was 10 years old, and then just abandoned the piano. Um, <laughs> although, maybe one day I would like to go back. But, yeah. so, um, <clears throat> I wonder, like, for someone like, say, myself, that doesn't have a music background, like, you know, would I be able to follow? Because what you were talking about, like, I so right. appreciate that, of, like, that going in depth into, like, one thing. I feel like... We don't really do, we don't do that enough. And I feel like, particularly today, like, we don't do that enough. Like, it's, I feel like in terms of reading, everyone's just skimming. Yeah, Um, yeah. You know, you're just, you're just reading headlines. I mean, there's, there's a lot of other people who have commented about this and, and, and talked about, like, you know, the, the downsides of that, you know? And so that to have a podcast come out where someone just goes so in depth with one thing. Yeah. Like, it's like a breath of fresh air. 
in the midst of like something, you know, in, in the context in which we're currently in where everything is just like yeah. a little bit here, a little bit there, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. surface level, mm-hmm. everything. So, yeah. But I wonder like for someone like myself or, well, you've got a music background, Justin, but like say people that don't have music backgrounds, like is it kind of hard to follow, would you say? Well, in this case, I would say it probably wouldn't be. <coughs> I think it, he, he does it in a way that's very approachable mm. where, uh, you know, he, he doesn't really get in the weeds of, you know, music theory or anything, but he'll, he'll, you know, he'll describe, you know, this is, you know, say on this album, he was really going, you know, this kind of a Broadway sound or a jazz sound, but it's all synthesizers and you know but he's you know mixing up all this stuff or whatever or the who like he'll he'll talk about their solo albums too so because it's what they're doing creatively during the lifespan of the band and he'll talk a little bit about things as long as it impacted the music like for example i just listened to him the other day talking about the death of keith moon and then they got another drummer that they for two albums and they realized they weren't really happy with that direction mm. and then they've had different drummers since mm. but they've admitted over the years that <coughs> they they've they've haven't been truly the who even mm. though they even with two guys left now they still go out as the who they're coming here later this year but they wreck they acknowledge they're mm. not really the who mm. if it's not the original four mm. so he he'll bring a little bit of that kind of arc into the story as well Instead of going, okay, now this album, now this album, mm-hmm. like he, he, he flows. Yeah. I think, you know, people who like backstory, people who like context, mm-hmm. like that will drive people's interest and people who appreciate music for completely different reasons. Like just give me, like, I know a lot of people who know melodies and can't, can't recite a lyric to save their lives. Right. Right. And some people who just don't delve into the lyrics. Like I think about you, Michelle, you're often, uh, you know lyrics way better singing the whole song and I'm oh, like so I, cool. you know it's a, 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 and I'm not I don't hold <laughs> lyrics as, as memory but I do listen and, and pay attention to them right so oh, definitely. so right so there's I think there's different types and, and 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 I think this will it sounds like it could hit all kind of cylinders <clears throat> but what I you know I was thinking about what you were saying about like you know in this world in today's world where things are quite sporadic you know quick news cycles, quick everything, you know, I, but I do think there's still, even in today's world, there's like signs of people who have an ability to have sustained interest and mm-hmm. to go on one subject and go deep. Um, you see, I think it's the same thing when you binge watch something, right? On mm-hmm. Netflix, right? Like it's, you know, one series you see all the way through and you know, it, that's definitely that's not really a snippet, right? And I mean, we'll save our conversation about Netflix suggestions for another podcast. But you know, <laughs> but I think there there's aspects of our culture today that does, you know, reaffirm our ability to hold our attention, right? Uh, you just it's just got to be the right content in the right way in the right format or what have you, right? So like I think about Serial, the podcast, mm-hmm. yes. which got really popular like whatever four years ago when it started, right. and you know, and I was late to the game. I listened to the first season. And it was gripping. I was like, wow, what is going on? And in the second season, I tried to listen to... Because it was, it was, both seasons were out when I started to listen. Second season was oh, boring as shit. Like, <laughs> I mean, because the topic, topic didn't interest me at all. It was about, like, is it the this, Iraq guy? Yeah, the Iraq guy, yeah. you know, Be- Bergdahl or something. Yeah. Did, <laughs> oh, did he... Bo Bergdahl? Yeah. yeah. Did he <laughs> go AWOL? Did he not? What happened? Sure. You know, I'm like, I have actually... 
don't give a shit. Basically. <laughs> you know, the first one about Adnan, I'm like, did he do it? Did he not? Like, is he, you know, is he like wrongfully accused? <clears throat> and that's sort of <clears throat> making a murderer type thing. Yeah. Um, and in this season, which I just didn't even realize until someone posted on Instagram, oh, Siri, I'm getting into it. I'm like, oh, well, yeah, I wonder what's going on with that show. And I went to the podcast stream and it's on it. It's have a third series that just started in September. And they take the long view of the criminal justice system. So I think about making a murder and how much, you know, you know, I got mm-hmm. into that so much. Yeah. And, um, and it's, they took, they went to, they got full, uh, amazingly full access in, uh, of the, in Cleveland, right? And so they spend a whole year following cases in Cleveland. Oh. And every episode is a different case that they followed. Mm-hmm. Oh. And I'm in, in the middle of the first one about a, a, a bar brawl and a woman who's just basically accidentally hit a cop who was, you know, just happened to be in the bar. And now she's being, you know, uh, tried for, like, oh. assaulting a police officer. <laughs> and... and uh, <laughs> And it's quite fascinating, and so I'm like, okay, this this third series might might get me, but mm-hmm. but I, I like the idea of taking something and following it through mm-hmm. for a long period of time. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, do you have a podcast that you would recommend um, for people, or at least the two of us? I mean, we talk all the time, so I know what podcast you listen to. But yeah, um, I'm I'm. So I, I have my regulars of like um, political analysis. Um, and so junkie, I, I, <coughs> junkie. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I am a political junkie. I am. Oh, I totally am. Um, yeah, I am. I it think just, this guy here is too. <laughs> <laughs> to a um, point, and then I get tired. I just can't talk it. <laughs> and then you're just like, yeah. Sometimes I, I could just like keep going and talking and you're like okay I've had enough although I do get to that point as well right which is why I really appreciate and I'm really intrigued by like like this discography discography or even serial like um podcasts that aren't so um politics heavy because while I do really go to those in terms of like really understanding um because again I like the extended conversations about a topic to really understand like what's going on in a particular, you know, with a particular issue um, that we just don't get from like other news sources. Um, yes, right. I do you find can say it, mainstream media. <laughs> um, <laughs> I do. Um, so, so those are like kind of my. I've got a group of those that are my regulars. Um, but I'm also kind of looking for um, things that are to sort of offset that a bit because sometimes my mind does need break right mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. um and i'm kind of searching i've explored a bit some podcasts that are more like about um you know mindfulness and 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 sort of just kind of that route of like talking about just topics of just life that are just have to do with i guess overall well-being yeah um you know i haven't found any that i i really like want to listen to some like it, it's more like oh wow that was a really good episode but like and then i listen to other episodes mm, in the podcast right. and it's like so eh. the, the commitment on a regular schedule doesn't yeah really as much yeah yeah um and I, I don't know what that is i think maybe partly just the the way the topic is is treated and and just discussed on the podcast is just not you know um gripping to me or um so yeah so i'm in, i'm in the search for, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm on the hunt for for podcasts that are not political to sort of offset the... Well, yeah. Balance that, it out. Ba- yeah. ba- thank you. Balance it out. Yeah. Well, the one podcast that um, 
that it speaks to like the one episode that was really good and the other ones haven't oh. been is there's that uh, a new podcast there's an actress called Kat Foster mm. and she has a new podcast called Acting Real oh, and yeah. it just <clears throat> talking to actors about mindfulness <laughs> about just you know that's one area that, that she gets into but really about how to what do actors know and how does that profession and being in that profession are there insights for everyday people about everyday life, right? Particularly when you're an actor and you're supposed to, like, part of your professional job is to be empathetic and to, like, go into people's shoes and actually act out, you know? Like, so what is that... How can... If you talk through that professional um, journey that you have, do you, are there things that people who are, you know, truck drivers, teachers, uh, you know, project managers who could learn from, from that and... And, uh, and I listened to the first one and I recommended it to Michelle and it was super good with mm. uh, Josh Radner who's like the main comedian guy the main Tech actor from How I Met Your Mother oh Ted Mosby Ted Mosby oh yeah, okay. yeah. Okay. And I, know, I know you're not a huge fan of that show no but I think I'm aware of yeah the act yeah and yeah. it was super interesting it he, was it oh, was good. good yeah there's a lot of themes from that that were super uh, in the area of mindfulness in the area of like like how do you be patient with yourself and the situations you have in life and the uh, sort of you know we'll see mm-hmm. concept and, and and he's clearly very well read in the, that sort of area mm-hmm. and, and and so that was really great and then I listened to the second one I tried to mm-hmm. and it was like so far out there I just couldn't get it and then I just haven't listened to the third one but um, but yeah so uh, that thing about the we'll see. <coughs> I think I, I, it's one of those things that's kind of stuck with me and I, I actually try to incorporate that into my like life. So he has this thing where, um, uh, and, and he told a story too. It's like a, a he had this, moved for a role. Yeah, yeah. But there was another story that, uh, oh, that kind of, well anyways, but, but the, yes, yeah, so the way he explained it, like he, he, well, do you want to explain? No, no, go ahead. Okay. Well, he moves for a role, like, cause with acting you have to move a lot, you know? Mm. And it was basically the idea of like, you know, we often like, rush to judgment about things yes and like and that causes a lot of chaos and sort of torment on a personal level for ourselves and to sort of try to get gain some balance and just to sort of practice a try to put into practice a sense of just like being in the present and mindfulness and not uh, you know, rushing to conclusions and then, because we often, you know, think ahead or think back and then the yes. present moment is just like, you know, yeah, uh, yeah. escapes us. Like yeah. when he moves to a different location, say he's got an acting gig, um, he goes, any, I know that anytime I move somewhere, I'm going to feel weird the first couple weeks. And so he goes, I give myself, basically I tell myself, you within you have to wait a two-week period before you can form any opinion or judgment on whether this was good whether this was a mistake whether this was you know whether you like it here whether you don't or whatnot wow. you know wow yeah and, and something as simple as that like it, like it's actually not simple you know i mean mm-hmm. and it's kind of stuck with me and i thought about like how often do i do that in my own life where you know something happens in the moment i'm judging it like oh that was terrible oh that's great and then and then, you know, the next day, oh, wait, maybe that wasn't that great. And, you know, we're just, like, on this pendulum back and forth, right? 
Um, so I, yeah, that I thought was. And that was the. Awful. I mean, when I listened to the preview of it, and then and then this episode, one of the things she said <coughs> she wants from the show, which was the second episode was not was not in that zone at all. But but the first episode, an interview with Josh Ryan, was really good. Is that she said like. I want to tease out experiences and, and perspectives that my guests have, but ground it back in practice, right? Like, yeah. you can talk about being present sure. and being mindful sure. and, and, in just big ways, but, like, what's the practice here? And, and, and so she was really good in that interview mm-hmm. to kind of go, so that's a practice. So the fact that I wait two weeks in mm-hmm. any situation to decide whether or not I have a judgment on it, positive or negative... That's a practice, right? And so it was very, like, she was a very good interviewer in that particular one to sort of tease those out. Yeah. Uh, because often we just will talk so high level or oh. so theoretical and not grounded. Or we're too grounded, we don't know what the 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 accessible practice is that will make it transferable to possibly other people, right? So, um, yeah, sure. so that was yeah. just really Make it approachable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Wow. Speaking yeah. of approachable, shall we move subjects? I want you to describe the wine that we're drinking. The approachable <laughs> Pinot Noir that we have. Uh, like, that, like that transition? Um, because I'm just so enamored that we're drinking wine as we cast. Uh, and just want to tap into your sommelier in training uh, expertise, uh, Sean. Oh my goodness. Well, yeah. Uh, well, I think it's great that we're having this one I uh I was looking over what I had and I actually think this fits pretty well because this is a 2014 Oregon uh Pinot Noir from Willamette Valley (laughs) sorry I'm sorry how do you pronounce that again Willamette Valley uh it's funny because I've heard others say Willamette you know and I always want should I correct them and I just I hardly do. Like, do I want to be a dick? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's the thing, right? It's like it's well. It's like how do you even do that without yeah. sounding like an asshole, right? Yeah. So you can't. <laughs> didn't stop the guy at the winery. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, <coughs> yeah, it's uh, it's great because you know, a f- I I don't know how how long that you would actually really want to age a, a bottle of wine like this. Um, being that it's a bit lighter wine, it's made in a more, in the style of, say, like the French Pinot Noir from Burgundy. Um, I actually just learned recently that the soils are actually quite different, but sometimes the climate's similar. So weather patterns... Um, sunlight uh you know it's it's different from burgundy because burgundy is very inland in france yet willamette is yes it's inland from oregon but the the ocean is there eventually Mm -hmm. right um but you know it's being praised around the world for being you know really premium pinot noir like for for a new new world region Hence the price. Every you know, every wine from like Oregon is so expensive. Yeah. Well, you know what the great thing about this wine? Twenty three US dollars. Wow. However, if that bought the you know, Elaine got that down there, and of course there's exchange rate, so it's yeah. probably over thirty Canadian. Yes. Still if that were here. Fifty yeah. dollars, I would say. Oh totally. Yeah. It Im- imported into British Columbia with mm. our liquor taxes and you know whoever gets a take off everything that comes up here 
uh, yeah, you're looking at probably like $40, $50. Like, who knows? Yeah. Because right? um, it's such a brand now. Uh, the, the Oregon Pinots. Like, it's huge. Mm. Um, so, you know, the, I, I, I'm, I'm digging it. It's, it is very light, very fruit forward, as we were it's talking. Great, yeah. Uh, nice strawberry, a little bit of... Mm. A little bit of wet leaves. Uh, I thought you were going to say wet dog. <laughs> uh, it's very pleasant. It's not too pronounced in the in the mm. nose, but um, nice feel. Not too acidic, but, you know, and not like a super long finish, but I'm really happy with the soft, supple red mm-hmm. fruit that we got going on here. Um, Keep talking. If you can take a picture, we'll post it online. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, I'm, I'm very pleased with it. And every time Elaine uh, uh, comes back with a bottle for me, it's it's always been a winner. So. And these are Oregon ones. Or also uh, Washington as well? Yeah, or? Washington as well. Because, you know, she's often down there uh, with uh, with her running friends. And, uh, and, and, and she was just down there this past weekend, actually. And uh, if she's there for more than... It, minimum 48 hours then she'll bring up some mm-hmm. it's like I think it's I think that's the minimum uh so I you know she's brought back everything from you know Yakima Valley uh Merlot or Yakima Sarah. sorry pardon me sorry Yakima sorry yeah yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah Yakima <laughs> uh you know Syrahs Merlots red you know blends uh, from either Washington or Oregon, even though Oregon's usually the Pinot. Uh, and yeah, it's great because they're reasonable prices down there. And even with our yeah. conversion, it doesn't break the bank. Right. And she can bring up to four bottles herself. So, uh, uh, or between her, and, sorry, no, it's two. I was going to say, yeah. I thought it was two. Yeah. I think it's between her, her and whoever she's <laughs> with. Yeah. And, uh, if you so, follow yeah. the rule. Yeah. <laughs> Washington makes great wine. Mm. Uh, Oregon makes great wine. California does, but they also have a lot of wine that I think yeah. is kind of forgettable, I would dare say. Barefoot. Oh, oh sorry. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for saying that. We, I'm glad we've got this recorded on the record because I feel like we've talked about wine a lot in California wines. And, yeah. you know, I, and I'm not trying to, you know, poo-poo California wines. Um, but I... I feel the way you do. Um, although my sister and brother-in-law um, belong to a wine club in California, and they had I was a Barbera. Oh, we yeah. This. Uh, it was excellent. They over the holidays we opened the bottle. That that oh. was like one of the best bottles, like from that re- yeah, yeah because that, they that were, was out of this world. That was a great bottle. I forget the name of the winery yeah. now, but they were they're uh, wine club mm. members for that so winery. They get, yeah. So they get quarterly. Quarterly. Yeah. And they had visited that winery because so they were in San Francisco for a wedding, and they mm-hmm. just, oh, okay. you know, jumped out there. Rented a car, and yeah. yeah. And uh, sorry, in in California. Uh, in California. N- yeah, Napa. Napa. Okay. Yeah. And they made a Barbera. Mm. Yeah, I and it was a so. um, and it was a winery where I guess the owner had br- had built it. There's a castle on on the property. Wow. And they had shipped stones from Easy. Italy. I think it was right. <laughs> To uh, <laughs> to build this castle, yeah. and it's That's so, amazing. so people go to see the castle and. Um. But but I, and so that wine, you know, 
and, and the wine that they usually get is 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 pretty good. Um, but but I but I agree with you that um, a lot of the California wines and, and we we've talked about on our when we went to the that one run or that hike that we did like of why that is and like a lot of the California wines it seems are made for sort of the mass production and yeah and, you know and so for sure, yeah. kind of like what you're saying some of forgettable but Washington like um the Walla Walla it, 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 is that the correct pronunciation Walla Walla? I, think, I think so yeah <laughs> uh, we had a wine from there uh for a, we got it as a housewarming gift, oh, and right. that was really, really good. Nice. Like, yeah, Charles Smith. Oh, that's it. Yeah, uh, right. That was that was, was Charles a cab Smith. Yeah. which we don't really drink all that much, but it was super good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So that whole region is definitely yeah, and it'll be interesting to see mm-hmm. kind of how it it kind of, like you know California just to the south and then BC to the north kind of you know. Yeah. Um, it seems like it's only finding its like it seems like with Oregon it's like the Pinot Noirs it's it's like that's like the the thing that yeah. you know and so it seems like they're kind of going the route of like we're gonna choose this one grape and just like you know yes and maybe that's their way to sort of make a name for themselves and kind of find that niche in the in the market it it it, it it's absolutely true what you're saying yeah um people talk about that a lot hmm. especially up and I, I don't i wouldn't call them exactly up and coming anymore but when they were they were probably realizing, okay, let's see what works here mm. and just really go for it and get us on the map because yeah. up here, you know, there's, there's several grapes we do successfully, uh, Syrah, Pinot Gris, um, we do quite a bit of Cabernet Franc as a, as a mm. variety of yeah. its own, Yeah. even though it's often used for blending. I think BC's got some great Merlots, like oh, Merlot oh, yeah. Owl, oh, you know, sure. so like that's also yes. one that, yeah. Yeah, 100%. Like, yeah, really Merlot. Good. Yeah. Uh, some, uh, uh, our neighbors just brought over a Brewing Owl uh, Merlot mm. uh, over Christmas. We had them, had them oh, just downstairs for a little yeah. snacks and wine. Such and a good one. So good. Yeah. Um, and, you know, some what some people are wanting us to do here is clarify our geographical areas Mm -hmm. you know we have um you know obviously in the okanagan but even sub classifying within the okanagan Mm. uh you know like naramata bench golden golden mile whatever Mm -hmm. uh oh it's a soyuz oliver Mm -hmm. um things like that and 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 it's just a way to get us on the map and to really even though we do (laughs) we do a number of grapes pretty well here um it's it's uh, some people are saying we know we need to focus more and really choose the most successful to really mm. try to promote um i remember i was at it a tasting once and i was talking to this lady i think she was like a not a sommelier but some sort of wine educator of some kind and she said oh yeah south africa they they got to really think about how, how they want to focus their wines because hmm. they're trying a bunch of things and have been for a long time mm-hmm. and there's some great successes there's some not so great successes mm-hmm. uh, but but it's like a lot of people are trying to understand what does South Africa do great hmm. you know mm-hmm. um, so it's just things like that mm-hmm. because Bordeaux say in France or Burgundy Pinot Noir again um, 
Well, if you think about that drunk guy, the mm-hmm. drunk guy we met at Top Drop said, <laughs> nothing like, I love South African Chardonnays. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he did. Yeah. yeah. We have a bottle yeah. of South African Chardonnay. <laughs> Nice. <laughs> yeah, we tried there, and uh, but we found we didn't buy it from there. We found it at a store here. Right. Um, but yeah, you'll have to come over and, and yeah, yeah, we'll I'd have to crack to. that up open because yeah, I'm a big Chardonnay fan. I, I know a lot of people like ah Chardonnay, but you people are selling themselves ones, short. Right? Yeah, mm. yeah. There are some great ones. There's so many choices you can make when it comes to the winemaking and how to get from the vineyard to the bottle. Mm. And Chardonnay is grown so many places because it's very versatile and it can, mm. it can be grown in different cold climates, warm climates. So, Interesting. you know, when someone says, I don't like Chardonnay, it's like, well, wait a second. Which Chardonnays have you drank, first mm. of all? Just yeah. like glut Californian shards that are mass produced? Okay, well, I get it. Yeah. Let's let's find some other let's mm-hmm. let's explore. You know. Well, yeah. yeah. I had a former coworker who said the same thing. Is like, you know, I used to hate Chardonnays, and then I realized I just need to taste them. Yeah. Like, some you'll like and some you'll hate. Yeah. And you just you, you can't discount it. You have to just keep trying until you find the ones you like. We tasted one in our class a couple of weeks ago. I couldn't believe it was Chardonnay, first of all. And it was a Chardonnay from Burgundy. But it wasn't Chablis. And Chablis you hear, right? Yes. So that's a very fresh, unoaked, mostly unoaked style. Like, just you know, citrus, green fruit, whatever. But in other areas in Burgundy where they do it, it's they're way more fuller bodied and you get more stone fruit or tropical fruit, um, higher alcohol, like all these buttery vanilla flavors or whatever. Similar to what they do in California, but I couldn't believe it was a Chardonnay. And it was so amazing. Hmm. There was so much going on in the glass. And I thought, really that Chardonnay? Unbelievable. So, you know, it's it. There's so much out there. Yeah. People just need to, just keep their options open. If someone says, oh, "Hey, I've got a Chardonnay," it's like, "Oh, okay. Have I had that? No. Well, let's try it." That's how I, I like to look at it. And I, 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 I've come from. Oh, well, I don't really like this. I don't really like that. It's like. Now, when people say, "What wine do you really like?" I'm like, "Well, I love Syrah," because <laughs> that's my hand. <laughs> Syrah lover. <laughs> but. I'm so open more now than, than ever to try mm. things. And, um, yeah. So I was going to ask you if you, there's a variety that you are varietal that you just don't like, but it sounds like you're open to most now, depending on, you just want to try and see if you like it. Is that kind of a fair statement or? Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, if I thought really hard, there might be a couple that, that, you know, I, I, I might not be as into um if if you know and i can't even actually think of what they might be at the moment malbec sometimes mm. Mm. i've you know i've had a couple of good malbecs and then a lot of times i've had malbecs where i was just like oh it's just kind of tasting flat it's not really mm. it's just over jammy just kind of uh, yeah just not maybe just the wines just weren't very balanced mm. and so i think you know, it, 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 it's often, it's not the grape, it's how it was made. And if it just didn't hit the mark. Right. Right. Um, yeah. You know, people are like, I don't drink Merlot because that movie, you know, <laughs> I was going to say, sideways. Oh, sideways. Sideways. <laughs> fucking Merlot. Yeah. <laughs> it, you know, that, that did real damage to people mm. who 
grow mostly Merlot. Like, a lot of people are staying away for years. Wow. Yeah, it's I amazing. I had no idea. So... Wow. And so before you switch over to another topic, like how is your class going or your course going? This is like level three or just yeah. your third course at least, right? So yes. So it's level, yeah, that's right. There's a level one, which is foundational. There's level two and then, which I did last year. And now I'm doing level three, level four is what they call the diploma course. And, uh, it's even more intense than what I'm doing now, but there's actually a big jump between last year and this year. Like, two to three. Okay. And our teacher always talks about that. And it's like, oh my God, yeah. Like, yeah. I'm basically, all my free time is just reading and um, trying to remember things and, you know, um, I mean, there's so much to know, but it's it's going really well. It's really fun. I'm a, th- uh, by next week, I'll be third of the way through it already. And yeah, if I don't, you know, if, if I'm not that successful at it, it's okay too. I think I, I'm just enjoying learning about this, everything yeah. about wine. Yeah. And uh, it just helps inform things. Like when I'm out and about and I'm trying things, like I think about it differently now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's, you know, I leave myself open to be poked fun at a lot. But uh, Well, whenever you recommend a wine for us, we go and buy it right away. Yeah, like, we, like you free no, bottles. Yeah, because you told us about that uh, Spanish wine that was affordable and on sale. Oh, yeah. And we have got, like, people coming over on my father's side of the family for Chinese New Year on Saturday, and they are... They definitely are more wine drinkers, and I'm like, okay. all we have is kind of pricey BC wines. Let's get some affordable ones. So I bought three <laughs> bottles of that wine. Oh, good, yeah. And found it. Uh, we checked which which BC liquor stores had it on sale, and uh, and um, yeah, we picked up some. So whenever you recommend, we always listen. Oh wow, that's very, that's very kind. <laughs> So how are we with time? Should we we should at least talk about something current affairs or politics wise? Because that's that's kind of like the bread and butter of our podcast. Yeah, yeah. Um, We're it's, doing. It's funny. I'm actually on musical bars instead of minutes. <laughs> so, we, so we have no idea how long we've been. No, I don't really know. Is it can uh, be 124 think, minutes? I think we started though probably around 7:40. Well, if yeah. we can't remember what time we started, then it's been too long. I'm just kidding. I have no idea. You know, so, you're probably right. Yeah, something like that. Something like that. Okay, yeah. so what does that mean then? It's been a decent 20, amount of time? 40 minutes. Okay. That's not bad. So yeah. let's delve into at least one topic okay. with some, you know, depth. Yeah, What yeah. topic do we want to talk about? What's top of mind? Oh, geez. Is it Venezuela? Is it Brexit? Is it, well, anything and everything going down uh, Below the 49th parallel. <laughs> That's where my mind goes first. But, yeah, the Venezuela thing. I mean, it's related, too, obviously. Yeah. Um, oh, man. I mean, I guess, obviously, the biggest thing is this wall. I mean, we could talk about the it's, wall. Start there. Well, <sighs> better, no other better place to start than the wall. I mean, mm. yeah, it's... Well, you know, the thing that really bothers me about that is, like, there's no crisis at the border. Right. Like, like there is none. Like, uh, any way you look at it, uh, and I'm not making this argument to, like, justify his racism and xenophobia. and right. But just, like, like, like just the, 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 just basically, like, smack that bullshit argument down because that's mm. what it is. Like, um, immigration, like, like, crossing the border... 
uh, is down actually. Mm-hmm. It, it's at an all time low, um, and mm-hmm. so they're like just the the way that they're conjuring up this crisis at the border. It's just it's just not there. It's made up. Yeah, um, you're right. And I agree. you know, and and I and it's um, and, and people you know that live in border towns are even saying that you know, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. and when you think about the amount of money that this ridiculous wall would cost uh and you think about well how what what could we use that for to like actually meet human needs (laughs) totally (laughs) you know like for like people um uh and 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 i think that you know the the other part of it is um and and just the arguments that people that are just racist and xenophobic about and and just like the context that also that's not being provided around like why do people leave their home countries to immigrate to the United States? Mm-hmm. Um, and this ties into the foreign policy question even Venezuela, mm-hmm. right? Like, yes. what has been the United States' role in most countries in Latin America, right? Like, why are, for example, you know, um, the caravan, which no one mentions anymore, you know? It was like during, you know, right before midterms, midterms it was like, ah, I mean, I mean, it was just the racism and oh, the yeah. dehumanization of people. It was just, it was terrible and you know many people that are coming from central america well well let's talk about that like what happened what is happening you know why are people leaving their homes um why don't people feel safe um and what is our role in that and and the important thing also is like like it's a bipartisan thing right like it's not just trump and um, I mean, with Honduras, for example, in the United States supporting the coup back in 2009, that was Hillary Clinton as Secretary of State and Barack Obama as President, you know? And yeah. so, yeah. Um, and idea. Barack Obama that first declared Venezuela a national security threat to the U.S. Um, and so, and I think they're important, there's more continuity than difference between, you know, the two parties. And um, I guess the last thing I'll say about it is, like, um, you know, as, as election, you know, with this whole shutdown thing and just the ridiculousness of the shutdown and, and how so many people have been suffering mm-hmm. um, because right. of this ridiculous shutdown, like, and now it's reopened, but then it's like, oh, okay, maybe a couple more weeks and then it could be closed again. I really hope that the Democrats, um, like, hold the line and not, because what has been worrisome for me is in an effort to sort of, like, compromise they'll say okay well we'll do this whole this idea of the smart wall yeah yeah i've heard that term so it's basically like instead (laughs) of a physical wall we're going to use like all the different sorts of like technology like drone technology tracking you know all sorts of things like you know high-tech basically security systems to like make the border secure and like that could be a sort of compromise instead of like the physical wall. And and to me, I'm like, <laughs> I mean, no. Yeah. Like no to both of those ideas. They're yeah. both bad, right? Well, who, who came um, up with that idea? Do you know? I don't know who came up with it. Um, do you know? No, um, I've okay. never heard of it. Okay. I, when you say that, I think about like that technology where shopping carts can't go past a certain parking lot and then it, the brakes, oh you know? Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. You know, so... It's, the, it's that vendor that's the lobbying for this smart, you know, technology. Um, yeah, so so I don't know, and I, and I hope, you know, that doesn't happen. Um, but, hmm. Hmm. yeah, we'll see. Um, 
Yeah. Well, the fact that, you know, the... I guess the so-called deal that they reopened the shut to, uh, the government with was something that was put on the table 35 days earlier. <coughs> I keep hearing what this 35 days prior there was a bill that like some there was some sort of decision made that they Trump could have gone with whatever they went with that mm. that deal and never had shut down the government. Yeah. Um yeah, it's just balls to the wall crazy. Like, I don't even know what to say about it other than, you know, a lot of people are getting screwed and people's, um, uh, you know, what, whatever their uh, beacon scores or whatever, their uh, their credit yeah. credit ratings oh. are getting affected. Um, oh, yeah, and then what's his name? Wilbur, whatever that old guy was saying. You know, Wilbur you know, Ross. Yeah, the government employees should just take out loans because, you know, loan oh. rates are super low right now. And you're like... Oh, uh, yeah, and Laura Trump, his daughter-in-law, like her... She's like, did you hear what she said? No. Oh, my God. Along the same lines, like, basically the day before that guy spoke, she said, oh, well... I understand a lot of people are hurting right now, but this is for the longer term. Like this is the bigger, this is the bigger than, than everything. Like this, this is about our security. If they can, you know, just kind of deal. Basically, oh just, just just deal. Like short term pain for long term gain, kind of thing. Oh, hundred percent. That's what she was saying, and oh. and everyone's like, you can't be serious. Like, yeah. we're entering a world now. I think where. You know, there's just there's just a simply. You're a million or billionaire who just call the shots and mm. everyone else just got to fall in line. Like, I just don't see any other... I just don't see any other way that society is kind of operating. Um, I don't want to get too philosophical, but I just think there's got to be, like, a sea change down there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, with respect to the... Venezuela thing. I mean, we're following right and we're following the states in, you know, it's hard because apparently this Maduro guy is a fucking asshole. Okay. And he, uh, we heard on the radio just this morning on the CBC on the way to work. He, two years ago, he suspended the constitution for a number of days. It's like, how do you suspend a constitution? Well, I think, though, the thing about that, though, like, because we've been listening and reading a lot about Venezuela, like, you know, I, I, I think it, and it, it's part of the sort of the, the the strategy, right? The recipe of, like, demonize a leader of a country, say that they're, a, you know, quote, authoritarian or a dictator or there's no democracy or whatever, enter justification for intervention of some yeah. kind, right? And it's like kind yeah. of the same playbook. And yeah. so... Um, and particularly about Venezuela, like, you know, um, it, 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 there's actually a lot, a lot of, I mean, believe it or not, like, a lot of democracy in Venezuela um, with the, 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 the Bolivarian Revolution. And it's, it's complicated. I'm not trying to, like, minimize the complications. Um, but, like, the sound bites and the snippets mm-hmm. that we hear of, mm-hmm. like, just this, like, sort of... And no context provided and, mm-hmm. you know, demonization of, of, of the, you know, the, the current democratically elected president. That's like, like, yeah. like, 
they had an election, he was elected, right? And and they have international observers that have gone down. Jimmy Carter himself has said that Venezuela had the most transparent election system that he has seen. Like, former president Jimmy Carter. And so to say that the elections were, you know, somehow rigged when there's no... And, and so we can make that accusation. And from my perspective, okay, well, show me evidence of it. Yeah. Where is the hard evidence for what you're claiming? You yeah. can claim that. Where is the evidence? And I haven't seen anything convincing presented. Mm-hmm. And so... To me, then, then they don't have it, right? And so the the dictator's sort of um, persona, which they've done for other leaders, um, you know, to me is just it's it's part of the playbook. And not saying that he's perfect, and people who are supportive of the Bolivarian Revolution in Venezuela also have their criticisms of Maduro. No one is without criticism. Yeah. But I mean. I feel from the perspective of a U.S. citizen, like, we have a man in the office who lost the popular vote, mm. who basically is in there because of some archaic thing called electoral college. Like, do we have any fucking leg to stand on to tell other people about, like, what's democracy? Exactly. You know? Yeah. <laughs> so, I don't know. I just... You're totally right. You know, and I think about it, like, if we connect all of our sort of topics together, I think about discography, right? How... You know, you can't uh, go through the the musical canon of Frank Zappa in like a thirty minute podcast or not, or a ten minute or one song, right? Mm-hmm. You gotta spend six episodes, and, and I think you know, and we're sort of saying people who like context will love that kind of thing, and I think we <laughs> we have dulled because we go to judgment and we we don't do what Josh Radner has said in his other in that podcast. We're talking about wait and see or to you know get more information is another interpretation of wait and see. Right? Totally. And we rush to judgment so quickly. Um, and, you know, like you said, like, everyone's got faults, you know, like, you know, and I don't know, I mean, I have a little bit of a sense, I know a little bit of a Venezuela, why the Constitution could have been suspended, right? We've talked a little, you and I have talked a little bit about that. Uh, but, like, you know, we've suspended the Constitution here, you know, like, Trudeau did that with the, uh, you know, Quebec crisis, you know, you know, anytime you do a state of emergency, that basically, the, it's mm-hmm. in the Constitution. Right, yeah, oh. it, 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 you, you, you base, it's in the Constitution to, to, suspend, to it? suspend it, you know, on certain circumstances, right? Oh, I see, okay. And, and well, you know, we don't, so we, we don't get as shocked about that because we know the context behind it. Sure. Mm-hmm. Or, and whether or not you, and then there's all, you know, let's say you park for a moment, whether or not you agree or not agree with yeah. the context, right? But, but at least we're not having that same visceral reaction because mm-hmm. we kind of know a few factoids that go along with that, right? Mm-hmm. And in these situations, you know, people throw out these things and then pair it very quickly with a judgment or yeah. a sentence or two right. of evaluation of that yeah and that's it right and i'm like we need more <laughs> like mm-hmm. i'm a, i'm always the person who's like what do I'm, i i get suspicion of that when it mm-hmm. happens in quick succession and i kind of want to know more and like we've had sort of almost our own heated discussions about venezuela <laughs> because I, I just don't quite know and i need to know more like the little facts actually are really important oh, to me. Absolutely. you know like you know and just, we've had find like um it's taken some time for us to do our digging and like and like in the morning i'll read like drinking coffee and like reading things like oh wait so we found out this piece of information because we both have questions Mm -hmm. about like okay what actually 
happened and what actually is going on, you know? And that context, like, you've got to really read from different sources and try to piece it together yeah. because it's just not provided, Yeah, you know? You know, and they've had this exodus of all, you know, three million of their citizens and to going in mainly into Colombia. I mean, yeah. thankfully, Colombia has been okay with it in a general sense. Um, I just get irritated, and the NDP, the federal NDP, pointed this out quite rightly, uh, is that there's Trudeau and and uh, his and Freeland, our mm-hmm. foreign affairs minister or whatever she is, standing there with, you know, Trump people. Yeah, Bolsonaro, right? Wasn't she next to... And, and this yeah. guy from Brazil. Yeah. And I'm thinking... This guy doesn't sound any better than the Venezuela guy. Oh, he's why a... are we standing shoulder to shoulder with with someone like that? He doesn't sound any better than Trump. Is is is, is the real he comparison, is, from my understanding? He's right? a straight up fascist. Exactly. Like, like scary dude. Like stuff scary. that Trump would probably want to do that he doesn't even he doesn't think he could get away with yet. You know what I mean? And how come we're doing that? We we can't be doing that, you know? And so, you're right. We do have to find out more. There are a lot of supporters of Maduro down there. A lot. And a, a lo- lot. And every time this happens, it's not because of uh, the welfare of the people of those countries. Oh, no. It's because they have access to the oil. There's so many people pointing that out right now. It's unbelievable we never learn yeah we just never learn it's yeah. like of course they want to get in there and yeah. get greater control of resources mm-hmm. um which is really ironic because we don't even control of our own resources but <laughs> that's a whole other story but which i'm not sad about to be honest but but that's a great point and i think that's where this demonization narrative really it, it, it is effective to sort of like gain like have people sort of like justify like you think of Iraq you think of Libya you know you can think of all you know all the different examples and you know and and just the other point we make about like a lot of supporters like the Bolivarian revolution and the Chavismo is really strong and Mm. particularly among poor people and people of color yeah and you can just look at the opposition Mm -hmm. that they're upper class Mm. um this Guaido guy uh educated in the United States is that right yeah like like uh comes from a a, a history, a family who, uh, and sort of distant relatives that were basically like the Rockefellers of like <laughs> Venezuela back Crazy. in the day, you know. And so there's this class thing going on, right? They just, and that's I think what we see the opposition, which is quite violent. Um, uh, you know, basically they don't want uh, socials. They don't. They don't want the sort of the the the, the you know, the, the what is produced by Venezuela and in the rich oil reserves that it has to basically go towards making society more equal. Yeah. Um, the people people of Venezuela, particularly poor people, if you look at compared to other countries in Latin America, have, like, right now it's really hard. And then the question about why now it's hard. But, but like, their standard of living has actually gotten a lot better, and particularly under, you know, Chavez and then, obviously, now Maduro. Um, and so I think we see a struggle where... They don't want that. And you think about, the, like, in, and it's actually quite clear with this Guaido guy, like, one, some of the first things he said he would do, right, is to uh, privatize the oil. 
do IMF type, you know, sort of neoliberal, you know, mm-hmm. sort of policies. And so to me, I'm like, they're not even really hiding kind of like, no. they can mask it in this language of democracy, you know. Um, yeah. And, and, and also the point which, what I really feel frustrated about when the U.S. media and, and I guess the Western media covers it is like, you know, they talk about the economic situation, like, okay, let's talk about the sanctions, yeah. Right? Like, what, what, sure. what do we think sanctions does to a country and, to the, and who suffers because yeah. of sanctions, yeah. right? Yes. Um, or, like, hoarding of food and, and, and resources in warehouses and all these sorts of tactics that are happening, uh, the, 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 the lowering of the price of oil, mm. um, all these things have impacted, you know what I mean? And so I think that the narrative of, like, this dictator who just, like, is, like, hurting us, it, it's just so, to me, not accurate um yeah i just think there's a there's a problem just generally because there's so so much conflating of all these different things but people want to make a pointed cause and effect Mm. and there isn't one cause and effect because there's a myriad of things for sure from sanctions from (laughs) class from you know political uh philosophical differences uh to everything right and and i think it boils down to like you know what do you believe so what do you, each of us, what do we believe is true in our world that, that is fair and right and how we should, and then how should we organize, you know, our communities and our societies based on that. And then we lay up that perspective on everything else that we encounter, Venezuela being the most, one of the more recent yeah. topics. And... But the information we get is so already layered by those same judgments and information oh, yeah. from the people who are providing the information yeah. and the people who are, uh, and, and there's such a conflict, and, and actually, even if it is, even if you give the benefit of the doubt and it's not necessarily, people are trying to provide objective information, which is actually almost impossible, uh, because unless robots are doing it, even code is, is yeah. written by humans, right? So, you know, <laughs> yeah, humans decide right. what code services what yeah. information, right? Right. But there's such a, but then you, oh, no one's getting clear information because well one it doesn't exist in the way we want it which is logical right like like you know like you're right like like the venezuela is in crisis i don't think anyone is disputing that but like there's so many reasons why from sanctions from the fact that it's a you know basically the economy based on oil which has nothing to do with the philosophy political philosophical of the government that's more collective and socialistic you know but then you've got people who believe that there should be a free market and do you believe in free markets? Yes or no. And, and do you believe that's the answer? Yes or no. And there's a lot of countries that are based on that principle. And so they're supporting. Mm-hmm. And so, and then we happen to, whether you, you believe in that way, you live in a world that probably is based on a free market. So you've been taught that. And then your leaders then support because they need to for political and, you know, political philosoph- philo- philosophy reasons. And so that that muddles it too, right? Yeah. And then and then people like you know like the leadership have certain styles, and sometimes, and I, I don't believe in you know hard, you know totalitarian you know like violent kind of leadership that is very uh, you know hard lined, but when you live in a world that believes so much in in a certain individualistic way, Mm. part of the ways you force a new way of being collective is to be a little bit or very hard 
uh, heavy-handed. And not that I, I, I don't know what I believe in that. Uh, all I know is that that is one way to sort of circumvent a way of being because you know there's a better way, right? And so to me, like, you know, the, the leader piece doesn't necessarily, and the style of a leader doesn't necessarily negate or, uh, a, a, a political way of organize a political philosophy on how to organize communities and people. Mm-hmm. And how to share resources, right? And so, but we compl- conflate it all together. Yeah. yeah. And, and then, you, and then, of course, in a situation where a country is actually struggling, huge, and that that and those reasons aren't connected to necessarily to the leader or the or the political way it's organized, right? The country's organized. I mean, there's probably a factor to it, but it's not the only factors, right? And then suddenly you have to make a quick, you know, suddenly everyone's making quick judgments. Someone announces randomly at a rally that he's the interim president. And then five minutes later, people are tweeting and leaders are stupidly tweeting. And then we follow suit and you're like, take a breath. Yeah. Figure out who the fuck is this guy? Nobody knows who he is. You know? That's right. And, 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 you know... We need, like, the six-episode Frank Zappa discography uh, series on this topic, and then let's talk about what's actually we believe, right? Or what's our opinion on it, right? And we're just not getting there. And it's really just swift, like, even from, you know, our perspective up here, that's a major move to just say, we recognize this guy as the true leader of that country. I mean, that's a significant thing to do. And just kind of, they just kind of just did yeah. it, you know? And I wonder why, like, why Canada is so, like, because you're right, like, they didn't have to do that. They could no. have taken an approach more like Mexico or other countries, like, yeah. you know, like, we're going to kind of keep a distance from this and, like, we're just going to continue operations as they've always been or, or something to that effect, that, like, yeah. at the Being minimum. Like, like we were talking, like, the, like the Mesa, Mexico message was very yeah. much like that. yeah. yeah. I, I don't know why. I think this, this the federal liberals are, are, like, the governing party are so concerned about being so PC. Mm. And I think if, if they think, well, if we don't get in here with the other Western nations or whatever. Um, Canada's going to be left behind. We're, yeah, we're, we're showing we're just on the fence. We're not taking a stand. It's like, well, we got to be really sure of what we're taking a stand about here. Yeah. It's like, yeah, everyone's maligned this guy, like he's just demonized, like, and maybe for good reason, but at the same time, it's like, wait a second, if if he was democratically elected, and if, I'll believe Jimmy Carter, like, yeah. he's the only one who, the only president, well, you know, Clinton, Bill Clinton, for all of his flaws, he, I think he speaks some truth sometimes, but, but... <laughs> But Carter depends what the definition of <laughs> his. I, know, I, his. I, I had a feeling you I know, were going to get your I was setting myself up for that. But uh, <laughs> but Carter is is the one who yeah. who's been really speaking truth to power for decades. Yeah, now. yeah. And um, people, I don't know why, even like half of his country probably think he's a quack. You know. He's just, just he, because of party line, you know. Yeah, and it's really unfortunate that he's been quite um, discredited, and people yeah. think of him and and all of this during the time, you know, and what happened, like, and then even what afterwards Reagan came in, like, like oh, he's like soft, he's not yeah. tough, you know, and it's like it's like it, well, they and they say the same about Obama, and sure, there were some times where I thought Obama could have taken a harder stand on certain things, but I'll tell you that 
I think, I don't know in how long have they had such a thoughtful spoken leader. Whether you agreed with what he mm. said or not, you would see him in press conferences. He'd think about how what he's going to say before he said it. And I don't know, man. Like, whenever Trump's term is done or if we ever decides to leave, like, Bill Maher thinks he's just never going to leave, like, even when he's supposed to leave, um, if he didn't, you know, win the next election. But if you look back at all the things that Trump said, you just be like, well, that guy's a fucking jackass. But then you look at all the things Obama said, it's like, eh. He spoke eloquently. It looked, sounded like he thought about about his answer before speaking. I bet you could barely find anything that came off as just glib. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And not, you know, uh, you know, there's a lot of stuff that happened under his watch that a lot of people would disagree with. But, you know, like especially increased drone activity, you know, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, war games from halfway across the world. But, but there's a lot of stuff that I think he tried, you know, to do, like reach out to the Arab world. Mm-hmm. Like in his first term, his first year, you've reached out to the Arab world. And a lot of people like Pompeo, this guy, that they have now is as the is he defense secretary or something <coughs> secretary of yeah secretary of defense Mike yeah Pompeo, yeah he's like we're gonna change this because uh, Obama was way too soft and and then you have Michael uh, not Michael Bolton is it oh, Michael Bolton no, no. I, I always call it's, him uh, like, John Bolton John Bolton is he like the Colonel Sanders guy because he <laughs> He oh yeah, the Colonel Sanders guy yes. or Michael Bolton. I'm like, no, I know he's not Michael Bolton. And that guy's a nut bar, total nut bar. He 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 wants to go into Iran. Oh, he, he wants to be like go into uh, like everywhere. Venezuela. Korea, he wants to Venezuela. Yeah. They've still got this mindset that that's how they think they can you know make the world a better place by just you know bombing the shit out of everywhere and I, I just don't know where that comes from I just don't and know. who told them we want the we want the Americans to make the world a better place I'm sorry I know, like, yeah. I know. yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> they, they still even Obama would say you know they still think of themselves as the world police you know like the, the one that's gonna police um, through peaceful purpose and if it means going to war to do that they'll do it and it doesn't make any sense you know I think you know, obviously, the, even with all their flaws, the U.S. do come through to help countries in, in a lot of situations uh, around the world. But I don't know, man. I I think, you know, especially if this Howard Schultz guy runs as an independent, I think Trump's in for another four years. Oh, that Starbucks guy? Yeah. yeah. I saw he, him and he's, doing, he's like a centrist independent? Yeah. It's like, I oh, mean, he, he's not even for Medicare for all. Pardon me, sir. Oh, oh, I know. Yeah. Did you see Ka- like, Kamala Harris is, though? Did you see that? Yes, but I have... Oh, well, that'll be a whole other podcast about what I think about Kamala Harris. 2020. <laughs> see that Fox I... News is trying to show as a as, as a, a, a an adulterer? What? Fox News is trying to... To, to have her look like a, an adulterer? Really? Yeah, because this guy, this man apparently spilled the beans about an affair that they had, you know, while she, while she was married or whatever, or some bullshit like that. It's like... I just can't with Fox News. Oh, like, it's I just, just... It's just unbelievable. They'll, they'll go any to any depth to, yes. to try to discredit someone because they know that 
they're actually... Well, I don't know. I happen to like her, but um, maybe there's more about her. I don't know that, that you know, but... Um, but with that, I, I don't think, though, uh, the point you took about this, uh, the Starbucks guy, what's his name? Howard Schultz? Yeah. I mean, it's just like... Just because you can run a company... Yeah. I know. Does yeah. not mean you can run a country. Thank I you. actually think it's Thank the you. exact opposite. Yes. I said I'd rather have someone yes. who is a trained prima ballerina run for president and win, because maybe that would have different skill sets that you'd bring to the presidency. Yeah, for sure. Like, forget this business shit. Like... Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Another billionaire. It's garbage. Businesses do not grapple with the questions a government does. It does not. And you cannot say you can translate. You can translate some stuff, for sure. Like, you know, maybe implementing programs and things. Sure. The operationalizing of things. But the decisions and the value you have to bring that then undergird those operations, nowhere in business does that come come out. Nowhere. And... I, I get so frustrated when people talk about, oh, yeah. a business person can run a government. No. No. <laughs> no. No, you can't. And in fact, you know, the actual day-to-day mechanics of business running isn't done by the president anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Like, the, all the... And there's a lot of poorly of run businesses, thank you very much. Yeah. Oh, well, <laughs> I mean... Trump's been a poorly it, run business for... Okay, how many times did he declare bankruptcy? Oh, like, yeah. Oh. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. like, his his business is just a name only. Like, Yeah. I, it, it's shocking. The, the the failures that he's he's had and how he's had to have been bailed out mm-hmm. and stuff over time. I mean, all you have to do is watch Frontline and you'll, you'll get the whole picture. <laughs> There's a plug. Uh. <laughs> So on that note, should we wrap this up? I feel yeah. like we've gone yeah. full circle. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Know. We started with my dad wrote a porno and ended with Trump. We didn't talk <laughs> about the pee tape, but anyway, so, no, we just brought it up. So there you go. That's full circle. There. there you go. Yeah, yeah, there you go. <laughs> uh, okay, well, that's great. Well, thanks, uh, Michelle. And um, this was really fun. Yeah. And uh, it's great having your perspectives not only because you're 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 well educated in a lot of areas, but also I hate to say it, but due to the fact that you're American, oh. I'd love to get your point of view. Oh, thanks. <laughs> now let's Thank go get you. some fur. Yes. <laughs> sure. All right. Well, you can uh, find us uh, wherever you can get your podcasts on iTunes at the dot matrix dot com, and uh, anything else we usually say. We just say we're on Facebook, I guess. Oh, yeah. And maybe I'll post that picture I just took of the two of you with your wine glasses. Okay. Uh, and well, people will know that an episode is forthcoming. Perfect. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, that's a good way. A little tease, yeah. right? A little, a little tease. All right. Well, thanks for listening. And until next time, uh, very soon. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye-bye.